Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, you are in this place. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. I feel like I'll walk into some some consuming flames up in here. What's that? Consuming fire. (laughs) Sweet perfume. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. This is feel wonderful. I was feeling all anxious trying to get here, but when I got here, I was like, whew, exactly what I need to walk into. Thank you, Father. Oh, how everybody feeling tonight? Good, good, good. Are you? You good? Okay. All right. Tonight, 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 we are going to... Uh, continue on with Sacred Cows. This will actually be my last teaching on this series. I feel like it's been a whole year. I probably should. Like, Holy Spirit, give me more so I can stretch it on out. <laughs> I mean, it's August. Come on, stretch it on out. I've been teaching since January. <laughs> um, on on um, Healing 101. So I've been teaching on Healing 101, but just been so many different things that can... Um, you know, help us receive that true healing, that divine healing from the Father and uh, walk in divine health is the goal. And in order to do that, there's some things we just got to get out of us, some traditions and superstitions and sacred cows and just all the stuff that we were just born into, stuff that was just dumped into us, you know, um, over the years, but now that we are in Christ, in, in, in the kingdom of God, you know, we're children, we have to learn now of his ways, of his knowledge, his understanding, his wisdom um, to replace all these other things so we can receive the many blessings that's being given to us. Sometimes it's, it could be a hindrance to receive. So... Tonight, we're going to uh, continue on genera- uh, generational curses. Uh, let, me, let me pray us in. Um, <laughs> Father, you are in this place. That we do know, Father, because we feel your presence. We feel your presence. We feel your love. Father, we thank you that the atmosphere is definitely saturated with you in it, Father. And we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you have met us here in this place, Father. A place of gathering, a, a place to commune, Father, with you, with one another, with our brother, with the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. To you, we give all the praise and glory and honor. Our hearts, Father, has been prepared. It has to be prepared. There's no heart that, that's not ready to receive in this atmosphere. So I know every heart is, is ready and producing good soil to receive the seed, Father, your word, Father. Let it come forth and be watered, Father, so that you, Father, can give the increase. And we give you praise and glory and honor in your mighty precious name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. So, um, last Bible study, um, when I taught on generational curses, it was actually experiences and generational curses. Um, At that particular teaching, I pretty much just uh, gave a reason to just go ahead and kill that cow, uh, generational curse cow. And tonight, I'm going to tell you why. We had to do it. Um, so let's start off with uh, all curses. Look at yes, and I like this picture. I used this picture in the last one because it's, it says generational curses, the cloak removed. And so that's what we were doing, re-removing that cloak of generational curses. We're going to reveal tonight what we think are generational curses are not really generational curses, at least not according to scripture. So all curses were broken by Jesus Christ, like all of them. There's not one curse that has not been broken by him. They all broken and has been lifted. This includes all the curses God unleashed on the children of Israel that was purposed to destroy them and their descendants according to Deuteronomy 28, 45 through 46. And what we call generational curses as well. Um, so we're not in, under, beside, 
uh, perpendicular uh, to any curse in Christ Jesus, <laughs> not according to scripture, not according to the word and a perfect will of God, not according to salvation. And as a reminder, what a sacred cow is. A sacred cow is a belief or tradition that is held regardless of the truth that keeps people in bondage. It allows sickness, disease, and death to be accepted. And this is coming from our very own brother, Curry Blake, who uh, teaches a lot uh, regarding generational curses, which he get his teaching from John G. Lake, um, which of course his teaching comes from experience with walking with, with the Father and learning about healing and, and deliverance. All right, so um, tonight I will open up the scripture to you as, as it was opened up to me. Uh, we're going to read Exodus 20, chapter 20, verse 5 through 6, and we're going to read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Um, not the whole chapter, but majority of it. So Exodus 20 introduces the Ten Commandments. This is where they come on the scene in the, in the Bible. Um, so this scripture... Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, I believe is the second commandment of the 10, which reads, Do not bow in worship to them, them idols, and do not serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Verse 6 says, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. So I want to just touch briefly on this particular scripture because this is a scripture that um, one, of, one of the scriptures that uh, pretty much breathes life into generational curses going from generation to generation. But this particular scripture is, is not talking about generational curses. So when we look at the word punishing, another translation may say visiting. Uh, visiting the iniquity or punishing the children for the father's iniquity until the third and fourth generation. So the word punishing or visiting, which is the same Hebrew word, um, well, there, there's a lot of definitions. So I have a few definitions up here. Yes, the ones that I have highlighted is most likely is the one, is the definitions that is pertaining to this particular scripture for us to understand. So uh, punishing means to appoint, assign, lay upon as a charge. And if you just look at all these definitions anyway, it's not talking about curse. It's talking about pretty much like a transfer of sin to the third and fourth generation. So we're looking at the grandkids and the great-grandkids um, having to uh, answer to the sin of their grandfather or great-grandfather. So this is actually, um, this scripture, it doesn't support the theology of generational curses. It actually supports generational sin. Um, God is saying that this particular sin or iniquity of the father, which is worshiping other idols, will be placed upon or added to the descendants of the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. So not just any child, any descendant of the third and fourth generation, but of those who hate him. So those who love him, their sin isn't passed on to them, only to the ones who hate him. The descendants, excuse me. The descendants in the third and fourth generation, uh, like I said, we, we're talking about the grandchild and the great-grandchild. So it's the grandfather and the great-grandfather's sin. This particular sin, if they're worshiping other idols, is going to go on to them if they hate the Lord. Um, but this scripture also supports the truth of God's love that goes from generation to generation as well. So going to Deuteronomy 28. So Deuteronomy 28 lists all the blessings for the nation of Israel being obedient to God. And then after he lists all the blessings, he lists all the curses for them if they decide to be 
disobedient. So Deuteronomy 28 through, four, through 14, God gives all the blessings that comes with obedience. Verses 15 through 68 lists all the curses for disobedience. And as we see, there's more curses than blessings, so it's probably best to go ahead and be obedient and then deal with, with all these curses. Um, this is the birth of the generational curse theology. So this is where we will find a lot of uh, what we call generational curses that we're dealing with in today's time. Um, in these scriptures, which I'm going to go through. Um, so we're going to read verses 15 through 47. Then we're going to skip to 58 and 61, and then we're going to end at 67. Again, in your own time, you can go through and read this whole chapter 28. Because like I said, it's a lot of curses, and they get worse as you read them. <laughs> okay, so starting at verse 15, Deuteronomy 28, chapter, verses 15. Sorry, chapter 28, verses 15. And it said, but if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands and statutes, I am giving you today, that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. You would be cursed in a city and cursed in a country. So pretty much like opposite of the blessings where we say we blessed going in and blessed going out, blessed in the fields and blessed in the city. Yeah, so it's going to like opposite. So verse 17 says, your basket and kneading both will be cursed. Your offspring will be cursed and your land's produce, the young of your herds and the newborn of your flock. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send against you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you do until you are destroyed. Now, I want to pause just for a sec. As we go through these scriptures, I want you to pay attention to the highlighted and the un, what, we ha, what I have um, underlined. Because the highlighted is the curses um, that I want to point out. And the, hallelujah. And the underline is the purpose of the curse. There's a pattern. There's, we'll get to that. I don't, don't want to go that far up ahead. All right. Um, Verse 20, the Lord will sin again against you, uh, will sin against you curses, confusion, and rebuke you in everything you do until you are destroyed and quickly perish because of the wickedness of your actions in abandoning me. The Lord will make pestilence cling to you until he has exterminated you from the land you are entering to possess. The Lord will afflict you with Wasting disease, fever, inflammation, burning heat, drought, blight, whatever that is, and mildew. These will pursue you until you perish. Verse 23, the sky above you will be bronze and the earth beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your land into falling dust. It will descend on you from the sky until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will march out against them from one direction, but flee from them in seven directions. You will be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your corpse your corpses will be food for all the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the earth, with no one to scare them away. Verse 27, the Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt, tumors, and festering rash and scabies, from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and mental confusion. So that at noon you will grope as a blind person grope in the dark. You will not be successful in anything you do. You will only be oppressed and robbed continually, and no one will help you. You will become engaged to a woman, but another man will rape her. You will build a house, but not live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but not enjoy its fruits. Verse 31. Your ox would be slaughtered before your eyes, but you will not eat any of it. Your donkey will be taken away from you and not returned to you. Your flock will be given to your enemies, and no one will help you. Your sons and daughters will be given to another people, while your, while your eyes grow weary looking for them every day. But you will be powerless to do anything. Now this brings to me um, child adoption. 
which we have a lot of that. Verse 33, at people will, sorry, at people you don't know will eat your land's produce and everything you have laid before. You will only be oppressed and crushed continually. You will be driven mad by what you see. The Lord will afflict you with painful and incurable boils on your knees and thighs. From the sole of your feet to the top of your head, the Lord will bring you and your king that you have appointed to a nation neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you will worship other gods of wood and stone. You will become an object of horror once again, scorn and ridicule among all the people where the Lord will drive you. You will sow much seed in the field, but harvest little because locusts will devour it. You will plant and cultivate vineyards, but not drink the wine or gather the grapes because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your territory, but not moisten your skin with oil because your olives will drop off. You will father sons and daughters, but they will not remain yours because they will be taken prisoner. Buzzing insects will take possession of all your trees and your land's produce. The resident alien among you will rise higher and higher above you while you sink lower and lower. He will lend to you, the resident alien that is, will lend to you, but you won't lend to him. He will be the head and you will be the tail. All these curses will come, pursue, and overtake you until you are destroyed, since you did not obey the Lord your God and keep the commands and statutes he gave you. These curses will be a sign and wonder against you and your descendants forever. Because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy and a cheerful heart, even though you had an, an abundance of everything. All right, so I'm just going to pause there right quick before we go to the other verses. So we can see through all these special ones I have highlighted, I see I missed some, it's just a lot, um, where some general curses probably already start coming. Um, mental health. We see a lot of confusion. Um, he uh, making them, uh, cursing them with madness and mental confusion. So we see uh, this being a mental health generational curse. Um, then we have blindness, uh, people who have people in their family that's born blind from time to time, skip through the, peep, through the generations. But blindness, um, not being successful, you have, everybody know a family who just can't get far in life. Um, so we see that that could come from this as well. Um, defeated before your enemies, um, you know, coming towards them, but fleeing in different directions. We know people, families that are um, not good fighters. Like they always defeated when they try to fight. Um, we have uh, incurable diseases that um, he said, well, did I get to that part? No, I didn't get to that part. But diseases that Doctors may say it's rare, you know, there's something that has to, you know, run in the family because they don't see it as often. Um, oppression, rob, people that's constantly stuff being taken from them, whether it's like, a, like really getting robbed or um, could be on a job and somebody get promoted over them and, you know, just not having what they feel they worked so hard for. Being able to work hard for something but not enjoy it. So these like a lot of um, things that we may say is generational curses. And uh, we read one where the husband or the fiance would be engaged to a woman and she would be raped. This is where people would take this and say, oh, rape runs in the family. Um, it's in scripture, you know? So I mean, it's, it's a lot that's pulled from these, from this scripture where we start calling these our generational curses. All right, so continuing on, um, Deuteronomy 28, verse 58 through 61 says, 58, if you are not careful to obey all the words of this law, which are written in this scroll by fearing this glorious and awe-inspiring name, the Lord, your God, he will bring wondrous plagues on you and your descendants, severe and lasting plagues, and terrible and chronic sickness. He will afflict you again with all the diseases of Egypt, which you dreaded. 
and they will cling to you. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague not recorded in this book. So, again, these are these rare cases, medical cases, where doctors don't know what to do because they, they never came across it. They never uh, experienced it. They don't know what to do. These are unknown things. Um, let me see. Not recording this book of this law until you are destroyed. And 67, in the morning you would say, if only it were evening. And in the evening you would say, if only it was morning. Because you dread you will have in your heart, because, because of the dread you will have in your heart and because of what you will see. Yeah, this could be um, where like suicide come from. Um, and there's another one that I, that I read where they said that you will go mad because of what you see. Um, I mean, dealing with stuff like this eventually can't just take all the, the hope from you, leave you hopeless. And I'm, I'm sure we all experience at least once having a day where you just can't wait till it end. Like, man, this is, I can't wait tonight to go to sleep. Well, I can't wait till the morning. You know, you're waiting for the day to end or you're waiting for the next day to begin because wherever dread you may be feeling, you just want to get the day over with. Like, can I just start this day over? <laughs> we all have has, uh, experienced that. Um, and some may call that generational curse as well, people who just don't do nothing with their life. So this is where a huge bulk of these generational curses come from that we wholeheartedly believe and confess. We even speaking on and claiming for other people. You, you, you can be listening to people, I have it done to me plenty of times. Um, you can be listening to somebody just explain something that they're going through and you automatically tell them, oh, that's a generational curse. Oh, that's something you gotta break off. I'm like, is it? They, it may not be a generational curse, it's just something that they're just going through in the meantime, in the between time, that could definitely be overcome, but we just start calling things out as generational curses. It's crazy how we do that. Um, so the purpose of these curses was to destroy them all. That's what the underlining was. I was pointing out how every curse that God said that he would unleash on them, the purpose of it is to destroy them all. Nobody was to live a normal life having any one of these curses upon him, upon them. There was no moment of peace or joy, only pain and suffering until these curses destroyed every last one of them. It is to wipe them out. Kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah said, they was done instantly. But this was more like a slow, painful death that God was going to unleash on them if they decided to disobey. Which leads me to know and understand that what we call general curse is not a general curse because people are living with such things and having successful lives. That can't be a curse because according to what God is saying is that these curses are supposed to kill you. You're not supposed to have no comfort, no peace, no joy, no success with any one of these curses. So what we call gener generational curses are not curses. Curses brought death. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, it died. And Jesus didn't even tell it to die. He didn't say, I curse you tree to die. He just said, nobody would ever eat from you again, and walked on. And then the next day, they came back and saw the tree was dead. So it's like <laughs> a curse kills. That is the purpose of it, is to kill you. If you actually had a generational curse that were given, that we are given knowledge of via, via the Bible, there was absolutely nothing you can do about it. It didn't matter if you were educated, with good loving parents, living in a healthy environment, wealthy, kind-hearted person. A gener generational curse cannot be broken by any of these means by the way that you live. Only God can break the curse which we know Jesus broke all of them. So there is only one curse that actually did go from generation to generation. This is the curse that came with the fall of Adam. Man was not aware of this curse until the law came. Why? Because man did not know that they were sinners. 
the law was put in place to reveal man's sin. My next scripture, Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 says, Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and people. So here we see the law was only meant to last until Jesus came. But with the law came the curses. So if the law was only until the coming of Jesus, then the curses cannot outlast. It can't go past that point. We know that the wages of sin is death. This is coming from uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I don't have it up there. So what is the curse of God? The curse of God is death and decay. That is the curse that went from generation to generation because of one man's sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, verse 21 says that for all creation is waiting eagerly, we know this scripture, for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to, the, to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looked forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So as we read in Deuteronomy 28, all the curses had one purpose, one, one agenda. That was to bring forth, the, bring forth destruction, to cause them all to be destroyed, to cause them all to perish. So why does the word says Jesus came, so why does the word say that Jesus became a curse and not curses? Why does it say we are redeemed from the curse of the law and not the curses of the law? We just read about, we just read about 50 curses in Deuteronomy 28. And that wasn't even all of them. Deuteronomy 27 speaks about the covenant curses. If you want to go read that, it's pretty much what you can and cannot do. And doing so costs you to be cursed. And to be cursed means to die. Deuteronomy 27, verse 20 says, anyone who does not put the word of this law into practice is cursed. And all the people would say, amen. Paul, he, he, he uh, God, what's his word? He, iterates? Okay. This to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse, which is death and decay. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book, God's book of the law. So as we know that Jesus, he became a curse and we was redeemed from the curse of the law. That is death and decay. So he became a curse so that we won't no longer have to be cursed, being in the, in the, new, in the, uh, the new covenant. All right, so I'm going to give you eight reasons to kill the generational cow curse along with generational sin cow as well. So as last Bible study, we went through the whole chapter of Ezekiel 18 where God, in his own words, said, as long as I live, I declare this. And what he declared was that the fathers will be responsible for their own sin and the children will be responsible for their own sin. Neither will die for each other's sin. So every person is responsible for their own sin. So Deuteronomy 24 verse 16 says pretty much the same thing. He said, fathers are not to be put to death for their children and the children are not to be put to death for their fathers. Each person will be put to death for his own sin. Jeremiah, which I mentioned in the last Bible study as well, spoke of the same thing that Ezekiel was speaking of because they both were prophets during the same time. One was a prophet in Israel, and another was a prophet in Judah, and God was speaking to them over the same thing. 
So Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29 through 30 says that in those days, it will never again be said the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, which means that the children's teeth um, are rotten because the father's eating grapes. Um, rather, each will die for his own iniquity. Anyone who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. So there's no um, having to carry your parents or your ancestors' sin or having to even repent or be responsible for them. They're responsible for their own sins that they commit, and you're responsible for your own. So generational curses and generational sin is not the same thing as what one would say, which is right. They're not the same thing. One is a cause, the other is an effect. Sin brings the curse. Curse did not bring the sin. Adam's sin is the generational sin that was placed on everybody. Everybody that's born into this earth is cursed with that until that person is born again. They indeed suffer and is subject to the law because of Adam's sin. As scripture teaches that one is under the law is the one is the one under the law is under the uh, Jesus girl read the one is under the law, is under the law until they die. Just mean once you die, you're no longer under the law. And last time I checked, when we give our life to Christ, we die with Christ, right? And we are resurrected with him. So we're no longer the law because we're dead. <laughs> and has been risen with, with him. So if one sinned, one was cursed. There is only one who never sinned, yet was cursed, or rather became a curse, and that was Jesus. He is the only person who ever fulfilled the law. Yet being born a son of man, he was still subject to the curse of God, which is death. But he overcame death via his resurrection. But because he received a sinner's death of being hung on the cross, he became a curse. Which I'm going to come back to that one because that's one of the reasons we're going to use. So you're not carrying the curse. You're not carrying the sins of your parents or your ancestors. God has not punished you for the sins you did not commit. We do not repent for anyone's sins but that of our own. This is according to the word of God. So if you're repenting for someone else's sin, whether they're alive or not, you're not doing it because God said so. You're doing it for other reasons outside of the will and word of God which the main reason is deception. You're being deceived to do such a thing. So for example, we all know at least one person, family or friend, that when we bring them around our circle of people, we have to apologize for their behavior every time. <laughs> and, and our friends or our family, whoever, you know, Look at you like, why you keep bringing this person around? Oh, we, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, they, they, they don't mean no harm. They just, just, just that. Whether they're, you know, uh, drunk or they, you know, like to fight or whatever, we always seem to apologize for that person. However, just because we apologize for that person does not make that person right with our friends or our family. They still not going to want them to come around. Why? Because you apologizing for them does not change their behavior. If they're a thief, you apologizing for them does not stop them from being a thief. They're still going to be a thief when you bring them around. Something's going to come up missing. If they are drunk, they're still going to drink too much because that's just who they are. And no matter how much you apologize for that person, it doesn't change the fact that they are what they are. So eventually their presence becomes a negative look on you. Why? Because they never change. Now, you have to make a decision. Either you stop bringing them around or you stop hanging with that particular friend or family member because they would never accept, because your circle of people never accept that person the way they are. So we are told, we are told to repent. Sorry, we are told to repent for, I'm sorry, we are not supposed to repent for other people. We are to pray for them. That is scripture. We are told via the word to pray for people, but we're not told to repent for them because this is a possible thing. We pray for people. We pray for our loved ones, all saints, even strangers. Via intercession, 
a petition or a supplication, which all of them means seeking and asking. And we can find this in Acts, Ephesians, and Philippians. So, second reason. Out of all of that, none is applied to us anyway. Why? Because the law was not given to the Gentiles. So unless you could trace your ancestry to Israel or Judah, you're a Gentile. And the law was not given to the Gentiles. Third reason, we're in a new covenant. The new covenant did not come with curses or death, but eternal life and blessings. Fourth, we're not under the law. These curses came with the law. We're under grace. According to Romans chapter 6, verse 14, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Fifth reason, coming from Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. He forgave all our sins. He said, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not cut away yet. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The NIV reads for 14, which I like. It says, having canceled the charges of our legal indebtedness. <laughs> which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailed it to the cross. So all of our sins are forgiven. No sin, no curse. <laughs> Father no longer sees us as sinners, but as children, though we make mistakes, the sinful nature is no longer within us. We have the divine nature of our brother and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if that is not enough, you still need some more reasons to not consider that. First John chapter one, verse seven. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So he canceled the record, he cleanses, we are, we are redeemed, we are, well, that's number seven. Uh, we are made clean, we are made whole, we are not sinners. <laughs> Jesus became a curse for us, that's the seventh reason. Jesus became a curse for us. This comes from Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. So the Gentiles was never placed under the law. Therefore, the curses of Deuteronomy 27 through 28 never applied to them. What was right to them was right to them and what was wrong to them was wrong to them. They measured their rights and wrongs themselves. They didn't have the law, yet they also perished without the law. Why? Because they still was under the curse of death. Because the curse of God was placed on all creation, including the, the Gentiles, all mankind. The Gentiles were only to receive the blessings of Abraham by Christ Jesus. They were never to be subject to the law. So even though we can go through Deuteronomy 28 and pick out all these generational curses that we could claim to be generational curses and that still apply for today. We have to accept the fact that we are not under the law. We was never under the law. That we are forgiven of all our sins. There's nothing that God will see as a sin because we are in Christ. Now we may make mistakes but those mistakes don't place us under a curse because we're under grace. Grace gives us room to grow. As newborn babies, we make mistakes. We see that with natural babies. They make mistakes, but we don't just whoop them out the womb. <laughs> you know, like, ouch, you, you know, through your bottle. We're not just going to start whooping them. <laughs> you know, like, we teach them, like, no, don't do that. You know, and as they get older, the, the discipline, it's different 
but still, we are born again. We, are, we start out as babies, nephews, so we just have to grow and learn this whole new life that we have. The eighth reason I have for you is Acts chapter 15, verses 8 through 11, which is, is that we were all saved. Yes. If nothing else um, could be a consideration, none of these other reasons, if nothing that I said is enough proof, it's enough for you to renew your mind, to get you to reject this generational curse thing and generational sin thing being active for us, just trust and believe that you've been saved. <laughs> you've been saved from, from form and all. So verse 8 says, God knows people's hearts. Yes, he does. And he confirmed that he, accept, he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Now, this is Peter talking. So for anybody who don't know this story, <laughs> So um, there was some apostles that was with, uh, well, came to some of the Gentile churches, and um, Paul and Barnabas was at these churches, you know, putting everything in order with them. And these apostles who, I guess, came from Pharisees or the teaching of Pharisees that was under the Pharisees, they wanted to put the Gentiles under the law. They will tell them that they have to keep the law of Moses. And Paul and Barnabas like, no, 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 that's not right. And so the churches sent Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem to talk to the other apostles about what's going on. Like, do they supposed to submit to the law of Moses or not? So Peter, he stood up and this is what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that God knows the people's hearts. And he confirms that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just, just as he did us. He made no, distinct, no distinction between us and them, for he cleanses their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentiles, believers, with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord. So there are those who are under the law of Moses who think that their works makes them saved. And God says that you can't work to become saved. The law doesn't save you. So this is why Peter is saying that we all believe we were saved the same way. Them trying to keep the law is not the way that they're going to get saved. They were saved through the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus, just like all of us. So all agreed with Peter with giving the Gentiles four simple rules to follow just as they do. These rules did not subject them to the curse of the law. Giving them these four basic commands did not yoke them to the law of Moses because to do that was to, was to subject, them, subject them to the curse, which is, which is death. So reading Acts chapter 15, verse 24 to 28, it says that we understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teachings, but we did not send them. Now, this is the letter that Paul and Barnabas took back with them to give to the Gentile churches. So Peter is saying this in a letter that we understand that you have been troubled and upset with some things that were said to you. Um, so we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official represent, representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. So this is a lesson learned. <laughs> Just because they're from the church doesn't mean they're a sin. Be careful what you receive from people who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm that we have decided concerning your question, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit first and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Acts chapter 15 verse 31 says, and there was a great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. So these 
people that was a part of the congregation, as a part of the church that came to the Gentiles trying to put a yoke on them, a burden, Peter said, why are you trying to challenge God by doing this? So we have to be careful. Be careful about what you receive. Especially what you receive may put a yoke on you and you may not even realize it. They understood it. This brought them sadness to know that they have to, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of laws. It's not just a few, it's a lot of laws. And with those laws came these curses. So that was very heartbreaking for the Gentiles to, to hear them say that we, they got to obey all this. And they couldn't even do it themselves. So the four requirements was really simple. We have to study. We have to study, as we know, to show ourselves approved. But Jesus said that you err because you don't know the scriptures, nor the power of God. So consider some of the things that we mistake is just simply due to the lack of knowledge. So in my closing, all curses was broken by Jesus Christ. This includes all the curses of God unleashed on the children of Israel that was purposed to destroy them all and their descendants, according to Deuteronomy 28. And what we call generational curses as well, all that curse would have broken. So we're not in, under, beside, perpendicular to, or subject to any curse being in Christ Jesus. And again, that's being in Christ Jesus. Now, outside of Christ, they're automatically subject to the law. Not according to scripture, that is us being under any curse. Not according to scripture, we're not. Again, being in Christ Jesus. Generational curses and sin should not exist to us in Christ. If it does, it is according to the one who believes it. So if you believe this, then it's according to you. That don't apply across the board. If you are not, if you are not carrying I'm sorry, you are not carrying the sins of your parents or your ancestors. God is not punishing you or withholding your blessings because sins you did not commit. We do not repent for anyone's sins but that of our own. This is according to the word of God. If you are repenting for someone else's sin, whether they're alive or not, you're doing it because of reasons outside of God, not because God said to do it. So Healing 101 was given to you to free you from traditions of men, superstition, bad teachings, and the many, many sacred cows that you may have. We all have them. I'm literally realizing some almost every day. It is to give you, it's to give you to, it's, it's to get you to understand Get you to understand of where you may have been deceived and believe that you can't be healed because of some ungodly belief. That you have to repent for sins other than your own. The experience, um, I am caught up on my words, hold on. That experience, that experience to the best, why did I write that? Hold on. That you have to repent for your sins other than that of your own. Oh, that experience is the best teacher. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. Because we talked about experience. That our humanity is our best trait. And without it, we are like, <clears throat> we're like animals and robots. It was given to you to show the importance of following instructions given to you by God and to practice righteousness. It was given to you to show you how much you are loved by the Father. You were reconciled back to him, spirit, soul, and body. All that you have to do, all you have to do is ask your heavenly Father for whatever it is that you want from him. It was to teach you the correct way to decree and declare that you can't decree the word of God, you declare it. The word of God is a decree, so you can't decree a decree. You, <laughs> it was given you to bring in understanding that when you make a decree, you have to accomplish it. God established his own decrees and not the decrees of man. To be careful of what you decree over yourself and other people. It was given to you to 
know that divine healing is your bread as a child of God. That it is superior to natural healing. You know, natural healing is good, but divine healing is better. Divine healing comes with salvation, which we all receive when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All this is to help you become more efficient with healing and deliverance. So all you have to do is repent, change the way you think, let the word of God renew your mind. Pursue, div pursue divine healing over natural healing because one is guaranteed, the other one is not. Follow instructions given to you by God. Be led by the spirit at all times. Take time to acknowledge all the sacred cows that you have and break agreement. Then reject them. Reject, reject all of them. Doing so frees you from the lies and the deception of the enemy regarding your well-being and that of others. The sacred cows that were killed in this, <laughs> in this series, or at least in the process of dying, I'm hoping, <laughs> is the humanity and human nature sacred cow, the decree and, de and declare, and how that can cause you to pray inefficiently, um, experiences and generational curses. So my last two scriptures for you is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. Romans says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transfer you, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Galatians says, but now since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? So I say to you to continue to study and listen to all the teachings, all the teachings that has been given to you from the beginning up to now. Make sure that what you receive outside this ministry can be built on a foundation that was laid before you. If, if it cannot, don't receive it unto yourself. God's truth is the only absolute truth. Truth is, we are children of God. Truth is, he is our father. Truth is, is that you have to allow him to raise you. Because he will. And he will bring correction. He will teach you. He will love on you. He will heal you from the inside out. Divine health is the children's bread. So I say to you, do not turn back. Do not become enslaved again to everything that these, teaching, these teachings have made you free from. Amen? Amen.